Have you ever felt compelled to jump into a new relationship a little too quickly? Or have you ever thought to yourself, am I addicted to relationships? Am I addicted to love? Is there some reason that I keep doing this the way that I'm doing it over and over again? Well, that's what we're going to cover in today's episode. But first, I want to take a moment to thank the lovely listeners who have recently contributed to the podcast. Jordan, Stephanie, and Lita, thank you all so much for your generous contributions to ensure that we can continue to make Relationship Alive. If you're finding the podcast to be helpful and would like to donate, just visit neilsatin.com slash support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions to choose something that feels right for you. Also, if you haven't downloaded it yet, be sure to pick up my free guide to my top three relationship communication secrets. When it comes to breaking the habits of codependency and any sort of love addiction, these three tips will help you stay connected no matter what you're communicating about with your partner. And as I mentioned, the guide is free. So to download your copy, just visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Finally, before we dive into today's episode, if you are looking for support in your relationship and you happen to be on Facebook, come join the Relationship Alive community, where there are more than 2,300 listeners gathered to create a safe space for those kinds of conversations. And if you want a little bit more Relationship Aliveiness in your life, you can also follow the Relationship Alive official account on Instagram where we're just getting started, but it would be great to see you there as well. Okay, I think that's it for now. So let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. We're here to talk about relationships, right? And yet... What brings us into relationship? Why are we there in the first place? So many of us enter relationships for awesome reasons. Sometimes it's less than awesome reasons. And sometimes it's a combination of the two, right? You feel some magnetic spark with a person, but at the same time, maybe they support you in ways that aren't necessarily healthy for you, or you get trapped in some sort of dynamic that doesn't really make for the best relationship possible. And then you might feel like, oh, okay, like this relationship ended and you're ready to go into another relationship, maybe even a little too quickly. And it wouldn't be that uncommon for you to wonder, hmm, is there something about this? Am I actually addicted to being in relationships? Am I addicted to love? Is there, is there something, what is it that's compelling me to do this? And I think it's interesting to tease apart what it is that might compel us in an unhealthy way to enter into relationship with others and what's healthy about it. Cause when we're talking about addiction, there are positive addictions as well as negative addictions. So how do you find the balance and, and how do you figure out where you, where you land in terms of your approach to relationship? 
So we're going to tackle this question about whether or not you might possibly be addicted to love and relationship, how to know and what to do about it. And in order to have that conversation, I have with me today yet another esteemed guest. Her name is Sherry Geba, and she's a therapist who is also the author of The Marriage and Relationship Junkie, a book that is available on Amazon and talks all about this question of how do you find your own path to health in terms of how you relate to others. And of course, that's a conversation we're having all the time here on Relationship Alive because, hey, I'm just, I recognize that just like you, like, there's work to be done. And so we're going to dive deep into this question around addiction and obsession around love and see if we can come out the other side with some answers. Uh, as always, we will have a detailed transcript of today's episode. And to download that, all you have to do is visit neilsatin.com slash, hmm, what should we call it? We'll say slash Gaba. And you spell that G-A-B-A, as in Sherry Gaba, our guest for today. Or you can always text the word passion to the number 33444. Follow the instructions and I will send you a link where you can download the transcript for this episode. All right. I think that's all I have to cover today at this moment. Uh, let's dive in. Sherry Gaba, so great to have you here with us on Relationship Alive. What a fantastic introduction. Thank you, Neil. That was amazing. And uh, I love what you're doing in the world. And I'm loving just getting to know you. I love your energy. And I'm just grateful to have this platform today to talk about this really important subject. Great. Well, we're off to a good start then. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. So it is a complicated question, right? Whether we're drawn into relating with another person for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. Um, maybe you can help us start to tease that apart. How do we know if the reason that we're seeking out someone else is something that ultimately is going to support our health and growth and thriving in the world? Well, let's look at addiction in general. You know, if you look at the broader sense of addiction and love addiction and relationship romance addiction is our subject today. If you look at the broader definition of addiction is when your life is out of control and it's becoming unmanageable. And underneath that, you're making choices based on emptiness, a feeling of lack, um, a feeling of not wanting to be alone. That would be a love at addiction feeling like um, the world is just a really scary place, almost terror that if I'm not in a relationship, if I'm not connected or hooked up to somebody, then I'm going to quote dies, literally. And so love addiction is really under the umbrella of addiction. It's a process addiction. It's a lifestyle addiction. So think about you know, binge drink, uh, binge eating or sex addiction or being addicted to exercise or internet addiction or gaming or shopping or spending. Those are all lifestyle addictions. So you're becoming addicted to a mood altering activity. In other words, your brain really lights up when you're um, hooking up with whatever it is that you're needing to hook up with, whether it's the food or the love or the sex or whatever your addiction is. So the relationship for a love addict is the only person's identity. And then if a breakup occurs, the addictive lover is longing for the attachment and the pleasurable feelings of that lost relationship. So just like the drug addict might maybe withdrawing from his or her drug needing that quote fix, 
the love addict is needing that fix of attachment. And underneath, you know, all of us, all of us as human beings, we all want to attach, we all want to bond, we all want to connect. But when it becomes unhealthy, and we start making really bad choices around that, then we're stepping into love addiction. Uh, For instance, um, you step into a relationship because you're afraid of being alone, like I mentioned earlier, or you're afraid of the unknown, or you get into a relationship where you're trying to change them or fix them and not accepting them for who they are. Needing someone to make you feel whole, because like I mentioned earlier, you feel empty if you're not in a relationship. Um, Looking for others for affirmation and self-worth and for validation rather than already having that within yourself. Being terrorized of abandonment, having those withdrawal symptoms that I mentioned earlier, that if a relationship ends, you are, you know, in complete um, withdrawal. Um, And then really giving up who we are out of the fear that we might lose someone or someone may not approve of us. So if any of those things sound familiar, you may be dealing with love addiction. Yeah, and... I'm reminded of when Helen Fisher was on the show. She has this viewpoint that in some respects, all love is addiction. And that's why when we break up, we we go through uh, symptoms and pain that's very similar to what any addict would go through when they are in withdrawal from their partner. Um, but I like the distinction that you're making around... How And this is, I think, why love can be a positive or a negative addiction, right? Because you could be addicted to love with someone who's really good for you and where you actually really support each other and there's a lot that's beneficial going on. Or you can be addicted to love with someone where you're just fueling the dopamine rush. Yeah. And I think that is... Go ahead. Well, if you're feeling the dopamine rush, it probably isn't you're addicted to a healthy relationship because I, I mean, yes, in the beginning, there's that fantasy, there's that attachment, there's that goo goo gaga feeling. Sure. That can happen, but healthy relationships really sort of move into a more mature growing state of being. I, I mean, I'm not saying you can't have that goo goo gaga come up at times, but I think if you're constantly in that state, I think then it becomes more obsessive and then it becomes more unhealthy. I mean, I, you know, I can't speak to all relationships, but I think healthier relationships sort of, um, they sort of change. They, they morph into other things. They morph into healthier love. They morph into, you know, other things like respect and nurturing. And it isn't just fueled by that, oh my God, goo goo gaga feeling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If we, if we look at the addiction cycle and, and we had Alex Katahakis on the show to talk a little bit also about sex addiction and addiction, um, that what we're really doing, the reason we show up for addictive behaviors, and you mentioned this a moment ago, is to help us with our own feelings of dysregulation and discomfort. We turn to the thing that that gives us that pleasurable sensation for comfort. And, and I think you're right. Like all relationships are going to do that at first to some extent. And as I was, you know, preparing for our conversations today, it just occurred to me like, oh, right. So if you're in a relationship, like most relationships, where after a certain period of time, the dopamine energy starts to fade a little bit and you haven't necessarily figured out how to build health into your relationship and those healthy bonding behaviors foster lots of oxytocin, which is another, you know, a pair bonding um, hormone. Um then 
then you're going to be missing the effects of the dopamine not because there's something wrong with your partnership necessarily, but because you're, you tune back into sort of what's wrong with you and those feelings of discomfort. And so then you, you have to chase the dopamine, whether it's escalating the drama or ditching someone for someone new so that you can get that because you're not equipped in that moment to actually deal with your own dysregulation and discomfort. Right. Well, you're you're addicted to the high, so to speak. Um, yeah. You're you're addicted to the romance. You're addicted to the newness factor. I mean, I am a love addict. The best time for me is that first uh, falling in love. Uh, that's the, that's the part where you know I'm I'm just. I mean, I I am. That's where I'm most comfortable. That's my go-to. So if you know the problem with that is you know you're picking from a place of need versus a, p- a place of health, healthful being, you know, in other words, you're picking from a place of emptiness, you're picking a place of this person's going to fill up this, this need that I have that I don't feel whole already, that I need somebody else to fill me up to feel good about myself. And hopefully we can lead into a conversation about early trauma, because that is a huge piece to this subject. And often I'll, I'll share my own story, because I think when people I think people underestimate what early trauma does and why that is a huge piece in, in the love addict behavior or the need for that that high, that initial high, where you're always chasing that that early high. We often talk with we often say with addicts, they're chasing that first high, you know, that first, you know, crack experience or or the, that first alcoholic experience, whatever, or heroin experience. Well, the love addict is chasing that first high of falling in love. That's where everything uh, that is it. That's this is utopia. This is where it all is. And unfortunately, it, it isn't sustaining. And when it does um, change, hopefully it'll change into something healthy. But for the love addict, it generally does not turn into something healthy. And usually what they, you, the love addict picks people that aren't healthy for them. That's another piece to this is that love addicts tend to be attracted to love avoidance. They're attracted to people that are unavailable. They might be attracted to people that are abusive and they don't care because they want that high no matter what. And they're picking what they know rather than what's good for them. Right. Right. So if you're in a relationship, what are some of the signs that you might see happening in your relationship if you've if you veered into addictive territory? Well, I think if you're putting up with abuse, of course, um, you may be with a narcissist. Uh, you may I, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but over adapting to what others want, you know, kind of losing yourself in the process, mm-hmm. um, having no boundaries, always saying yes, when really no is is not even in your vocabulary. This this terror, this fear of letting go, uh, fear of the unknown. So you stay because it's better than what uh, might be out there. At least you know what you're getting here, even if it's unhealthy. Um, you're always trying to, you know, fix and change your partner. Um, that person is what makes you feel whole and complete. You're absolutely empty. You're in the ethers of emptiness without that person or in relationship. Um, and then that person is the is all that you are in terms of um, you're seeking their affirmation, their validation, their acknowledgement. All your self worth is based on being with that person. You're petrified of abandonment. You ha- might have some of those withdrawal symptoms when they're not around, like you only are comfortable when they're in your space. But if they're off to work or off with other doing other things, you feel completely lost. And, you know, you give up 
who you are out of fear that um, they may not want, you know, you, you just, you give up who you are. You lose parts of yourself to be with this person. Got it. So I'm, I'm feeling a pretty, I'm, I'm doing the diagnosis here on myself even, you know, and thinking about how even relationships in the past that have started out healthy, um, they can veer into this territory if you're not sure. careful. Yeah. Sure. I mean, and then we're talking maybe more about a codependent relationship. And, you know, I hate throwing out words like, you know, codependent or even the love addiction word because people, you know, they, it becomes very um, cliche. Because what you said earlier in the, in the call, and I really picked up on that, was that some of these things you have with your relationship, but they're, he- they're, they're healthy. And, and in other words, you love that person, you respect that person, and sure, you're, you, that person on some level maybe completes you on some level. But the question is, if that relationship wasn't there, would you be okay? Sure, you might be sad and you would grieve and you would miss that person terribly, but would you be completely lost? You know, I think of my own mother. Um, my father passed away and they had a 60-year romance. When my father died, and again, this is part of grief as well, but it's it was a little more pathological than that. My mother picked up the first man that looked at her, and he's a very bad man. <laughs> he, she picked somebody that really is a predator per se, and he knew exactly what he was doing. And she's in a relationship with, in a very unhealthy relationship with someone that's completely taking advantage of her because she is petrified of being without somebody. Mm. She just can't even function. And so that's when we're really getting into territory that's dangerous. Yeah. You're, you're, you're actually being taken advantage of. Um, and there's, and that's a whole other conversation. I mean, there is a whole world out there. There's just in LA alone, there's probably 10,000 predators out there on, you know, Picking women that just will believe anything that they hear just so they can couple up and partner up and bond with somebody. Yeah, what it makes me curious about, I picked up on the sense of not being okay if you were to be alone. And because I think that that's, it's so important to have that sense of okayness. Like that, that brings with it so much freedom to really see your relationship clearly to see your part in the relationship clearly um so if we were to take a listener on like a step or two down the road toward like if they're if they're looking at themselves right now and saying wow like yeah i'm not sure i would be okay if this fell apart i mean there may be some practical considerations to that like maybe their their uh, livelihood is dependent on their partner or, or something like that but I think you're talking about even more like kind of the existential sense of like, no, I, my life might fall apart if I weren't with this person. Or right. how does someone go about starting to restore that sense of inner safety so that they can bring that to the relationship? Well, maybe that this is a good time to talk about early trauma, because, you know, if we grew up in a situation where our parents were really unavailable. Maybe they were addicts, alcoholics themselves. Maybe there was a divorce. Maybe you were raised by a single parent and they were busy working and you kind of felt invisible because your needs weren't being met. Maybe you were in a situation where you were almost parenting your parent. Um, Maybe you were abandoned by a parent. There's this panic that sets in. And then what happens is you're looking for anything outside yourself to fill up that pain and that panic. And you'll cling to anything and anyone. Um, you'll 
you know, you're, you're craving for something else to make you feel whole. So the question is, if you're already in a relationship, what draws you to this person? Is it because this person adds to your life? You feel like it, it, it brings joy to the joy that you already are as a person? Did you already feel whole as a person? Were you ever successfully single and just loving life as a single person? Um, or your whole basis was, I need to attach to someone because without attaching to someone, I am lost. I'm like that child that didn't have a parent that was available to me. You know, do you feel like you were, you're not enough without that relationship? Do you feel enough anyway? Yeah, do you feel good enough even without a relationship? Um, are you unconsciously attempting to satisfy that developmental hungry, sort of that hungry ghost uh, they, that people talk about, Buddhists, Buddhists talk about? Are you trying to satisfy that? Or does that person, again, add to your sense of being and sense of self? Or are they just tr- completing what you are, what you are not? Um, and are you always looking outside yourself? to fix your yourself, your fear, your pain, your discomfort, or, or you, do you have that safety within yourself to, um, I mean, that's a great word. Are you able to self-regulate yourself? Are you able to be alone in, in, at any time? Um, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question, Neil. I mean, it's a, I think it's so great that we're diving into the fact that if you're already in a relationship, do you have these these things. And I don't want people to freak out and think, Oh my God, I have a love out and I'm in a relationship. I better get out because I've, you know, I got to find myself. No, 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 no. It's not about that. But I think there are ways to start creating, um, you know, look and see, do you have early trauma? You know, were you abandoned? And then if you were, you know, how to start healing from that. For me, um, I, my trauma was so early. It's, it's kind of unbelievable. I was in an incubator for two and a half months. So I started out in the world unregulated. Mm-hmm. I started out not having that early bonding with my mother. She didn't hold me for two and a half months. And then even when I came home, she went to work right away. So she was unavailable and um, I didn't get what I needed. And so I was always looking for something outside of me to fill me up. I was almost, you know, I was always looking for that quote breast, so to speak, you know, um, that's kind of a metaphor, but it's, it's, I was always looking for something else to, completely because I I felt complete. I didn't get that mirroring. I didn't get that bonding. I didn't get that security, that safety. So, um, you know, those are some things to think about. What was your early childhood like? Did you, did you go through any of the things that I mentioned, you know, earlier? Um, and if you did, um, how do you work on those issues? For me, I got into therapy with uh, someone that does what's called somatic experiencing. And now, now I'm a practitioner of that and it's getting back into your body and being able to be okay within yourself mm. instead of always running away from yourself, always thinking something else can complete you when everything you have is right there within you. Great. And yes, we've had Peter Levine on the show actually to talk about somatic experiencing. So. Oh, wow. You've had some amazing guests. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah, I'm so happy that, that he was willing to, to chat. And, and I do believe that that in particular is such a powerful modality for for healing early traumas and what i love about it because it's based on your sensation um you don't necessarily have to know what it was right it goes by this theory that the trauma is just stored in there and so you're giving your your body a chance to process things that are stuck that it should have processed through whenever 
the the trauma and it could be a big T trauma or little T trauma whenever that occurred. Um, so there's nothing abnormal about you or anyone with having something that might be stuck in your within you that just needs to be healed. I love that. I mean, I want people to know that there is nothing wrong with you. There might have been something that happened to you, like you said, a bigger big trauma or little trauma. And let's discharge that energy that's been built up so that we can get unblocked so that we can bring in health and wholeness so that you can feel complete just within yourself. So you don't have to seek outside yourself to feel good. I mean, the truth of the matter is just being on this call right now is the first step because people are going to become aware like, oh, this is interesting. Let's get curious about this. And then, you know, from there, make a decision to change. Um, you know, learning to stop looking for external solutions for problems that um, can be solved within, you know, really explore their personal fears and really get out of the denial. That's a huge piece with addiction. Addiction is the only disease that says I don't have a problem. So really, you know, open yourself up to, yeah, there's, there might be something here and really examine those early suppressed traumas that might've occurred early on in life that we just talked about. Maybe go ahead and listen to your Peter Levine, uh, interview so you can understand, uh, trauma a little bit better, you know, start self parenting yourself, you know, really look, you know, I sometimes suggest to people find a, a a photo of you when you were a child and stick that photo right next to your bed and just start loving that inner child that maybe didn't get what they needed. Um, you know, become really a loving, forgiving and compassionate person to yourself. I mean, you didn't just wake up one day and go, Oh, I want to, I want to be a love addict. I want to feel pain all the time. I want to feel like I have to be, you have to completely, or I feel like nothing. No, that, that isn't, that isn't what you, you didn't cause anything. It's just, from your experiences in your history, this is what happened. That energy never got completed, like you said. Um, and just use the pain to grow and prepare for a healthy relationship or the relationship that you're already in. And just really begin to trust in yourself and to, you know, to let go of what no longer is serving you. And, and you know, find a really great therapist, find a really great coach, but somebody that, you know, really understands perhaps trauma work. I don't know if coaches really do trauma work. Some may, but you want to make sure they understand the trauma piece. Maybe find a sex and love addicts anonymous meeting. I mean, there's so much support out there to work on, to begin working on these issues. Right. And, and in your book, uh, the marriage and relationship junkie, you do offer some great tools for people who are looking to rebuild and, um, and you don't have to be alone in order to go through them. So I gl- I'm glad that you that you qualified that earlier on where you said, you know, if you're in a relationship, you don't have to panic and abandon just to like right. find yourself. Um, right. Yeah. Um, exactly. And, and you know what you said too earlier, it's such a great feeling. It is. And I think you said it. I think you used the word it's freeing. Like I. I divorced my, my, I, I've had multiple marriages, multiple relationships. I divorced my ex-husband. He, he was an alcoholic and he couldn't get sober. And I really, you know, gave it my best. And I was lost when that relationship ended because it was a very codependent, obsessive relationship. But once I healed, you know, and I started doing things for myself, I joined a grade 12 step program. I took up canoeing. I started really finding myself. I was able to then healthfully pick somebody else that was much better for me because I knew that no matter what I could be on my own. And I have to be honest, I didn't, I never felt that way before. I had never been able to really be alone successfully and be happy. And I truly was happy and single. And and that brings me to, you know, another 
another topic which would be is changing your your verbiage around it instead of saying to yourself oh I can't be alone oh my god I can't be alone it's like I can be single I mean doesn't that sound a lot better I can be single rather than I can't be alone Um, yeah so much better and it just you know makes me think of how very few of us truly are alone ever I mean I suppose it is true for some people but um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're here with me <laughs> in yeah. this moment, right? And and odds are that there are other people in your life who care about you and who want to support you and, and not see you in pain and not see you suffering. Right, exactly. I mean, we all want to we all want to bond. We all want to connect. I mean, the opposite of addiction is connection. But the point of this call is really healthy connection, right? That's the point of your podcast, healthy yes, relationships. Yes. And so that's, you know, I mean, but it's not about stigmatizing you if you are in sort of a codependent relationship. How great that you're on this call. And now you can start changing things up a little bit. And you know, loosen up that codependent relationship. You know, find other things in your life that, that help you feel uh, good about yourself. And if you have that trauma, really start working on that trauma, because that's really where it all begins. You know, I can't, I mean, I do some coaching, I'm a psychotherapist, but I can't tell you how many times I'll have a coaching client, and they're just stuck. And that stuckness, you know, they, they, they've paid for every class, every, you know, they've, they've been on, they've listened to all the, the podcasts, they've bought all the books, but there's something inside of them that's stuck. And so to me, it really begins with moving that trauma out of your body, so that you can have a purposeful life, and a meaningful relationship. Sherry, we're going to take just a moment to talk about this week's sponsors, and both of them have a special offer for you as a Relationship Alive listener. Our first sponsor today is RX Bar. They make a whole food protein bar that's super tasty and super healthy. They're gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free, and have no added sugar. No artificial flavors, no preservatives, no fillers, and they're made with simple, real, whole food ingredients with egg whites at their base for protein. So that's a protein that's really easy to absorb. And then they also sweeten the bars with dates. So they're still sweet and yummy, um, but they just don't use any sugar or refined sugar. And they're perfect for a meal replacement, a snack on the go, which is why Chloe and I typically have one or two with us wherever we go, usually more than one, so that we can share them with other people or with the kids or, of course, with each other. Overall, there are 14 flavors to choose from with some additional seasonal flavors as well. My favorite is the peanut butter chocolate chip. It just kind of reminds me of some sort of comfort food. And Chloe really likes the sea salt chocolate, although... Lately, I've also been really liking the maple sea salt. And RX Bar has a special offer for you. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com alive and use the coupon code alive at checkout. And this is valid in the U.S. only. So that's rxbar.com alive and use the coupon code ALIVE for 25% off your first order. If you listen to the show regularly, then you know that I often talk about how important it is for you to take care of yourself. It's something we're talking about today, in fact, and this week's sponsor makes it easier to do just that. Their name is TakeCareOf.com, or Care Of, and they are a monthly service that delivers personalized vitamins directly to you. 
And as I mentioned, they also have a special offer for you. Now, more than 90% of us are deficient in at least one important vitamin or nutrient. And Care-of makes it easy to find out exactly what you need to support your health goals by taking their fun and quick online quiz. They ask you about your lifestyle, your goals, your diet, and following the recommendations of their scientific advisory board, they come up with a personalized daily package of vitamins just for you. Now, I was looking to balance out my nutritional regimen and for a little help staying focused and relaxed in a life that can occasionally be a little stressful. So after taking their quiz, Care Of had a custom designed regimen of vitamins and supplements just for me, and I was excited to try it. And maybe you're like me, where taking on anything new or establishing a new habit can be a little challenging. Well, Care of makes it easy and interesting with the daily packs, which along with being really convenient, they also have an interesting quote or question or fact or intention on each package, which actually has helped me look forward to and remember each daily pack of vitamins and supplements. I also really like that they're transparent about how they source all of their vitamins and supplements and that they offer vegan and vegetarian options to match your specific dietary needs. And of course, all of this is in support of you to be able to meet the nutritional and health goals that are important to you and specific to your body, which is something that I've been feeling really good about for myself. As I mentioned at the beginning, Care Of has a special offer for you. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and use the promo code ALIVE at checkout. That's 25% off at TakeCareOf.com with the coupon code ALIVE. So thank you for taking care of yourself and thank you Care Of and Rx Bar for your support of the Relationship Alive podcast. And now let's get back to our conversation with Sherry Geba. Yeah, so a couple things. First, let's just regroup and I, I want to mention to you listening, I've mentioned a couple other episodes um, if you want to check out the Peter Levine episode, he's been on a couple times, but you definitely want to hear episode 29, which was the first one that he was on to talk specifically about um, trauma and healing trauma. Um, the other episode he was on was talking more about building resilience, which is also important, but not as relevant to what we're talking about here. Um, also, the episode with Alex Katahakis talking about addiction and what's involved in like our neurobiology of addiction and how to heal that, um, that is episode 116. So I just wanted you to have those so you can listen to them later. Um, and uh, Sherry, I'm, I'm really curious because so many of the tools that you offer in the Marriage and Relationship Junkie are very practical and 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 I hear you as a strong voice of support for someone getting help. And I'm always talking about that here on the show, that there are some things where it's just easier if you're not trying to do it by yourself or trying to kind of wing it or reading a book and trying to put it into practice. Um, that being said, I would love to offer our listeners something really powerful here that that they could do or they could try on their own that would that would give them a taste of the kind of healing that we're talking about, a taste of the kind of personal empowerment and freedom that we're talking about. And so I'm wondering if just speaking those words, if there's anything that comes to mind for you that we could offer our listeners um, 
as a way to to get started, to jumpstart the process, whether they're single or in relationship or or if you have a different idea for both, then that's good, too, because there are plenty of single people who are also listening to the show. I hear from you all the time um, to learn so that when you're in your next relationship, you're prepared. And I, I so appreciate that. I wish I had had a show like this, honestly, to listen to when way back when. Um, well, I think I'm thinking the beginning is just to see if you have this issue is to maybe take my quiz. Um, if, you, if you go to SherryGaba.com, I have a love addiction quiz. And that's just a first step in seeing if you are a love addict. I also have a quiz at SherryGaba.com on whether or not you're codependent, because you can be codependent and not be a love addict. You know, codependent may be someone who's Look, you know, always trying to fix, control everything outside of themselves, sort of addicted to people, places, controlling people, places and things. But a love act is a little little bit more specific. And that is that you are addicted to love, relationship, romance and, you know, feel empty if you're not in those in a relationship or with somebody. So those are great. That's a great place to start is to take those quizzes and see if you um, if it applies. I have some free ebooks that go along with those quizzes. Uh, my book is almost like a workbook. Every chapter has uh, questions and answer, you know, questions for you to answer, to journal on. Um, it's really, an, it's years and years of personal and professional experience in a book. Uh, yeah, I found that it was really a great synthesis um, of lots of different modalities. And, you know, you talk about inner child work, you, which you mentioned a, f- a few moments ago. You talk about healing trauma. You talk about um, taking proactive steps in your own life so that you're building your own strength and presence in the world. And even, uh, and even talking about the law of attraction on how to attract somebody in a healthy way. Because energetically, you know, we attract what we are. I'm sure you've had conversations with people related to positive psychology or law of attraction and the truth of the matter is energetically you know we're gonna we're gonna attract exactly where we are in our life um when you're in a healthy place you're gonna attract healthy when you're not you're you're gonna attract not healthy right so so that i would love it and i'm putting you on the spot here so i'm i'm admitting freely admitting that i'm there's a, maybe a little bit of pressure here, but I'm curious. Yeah. If I've listened to this conversation and thought, yep, that's me. Like, I don't need to take the quiz. I know it's me. And oh my God, with what Sherry just said about like attracting, you know, what, what is within is, is what we attract without, you know, like now I'm really screwed. What can, what can we do to help someone experience a shift even around that, like the, like, how do you sh- experience that shift in who you are? Let's say, I mean, what's coming to me is like who you are energetically and, and what you want to be in the world in such a way that you can feel what it's like to see the world with like different, with different glasses on. Mm. Um, that's a very broad question. Um, I, I, I don't even know how to answer that because I think it's a process. I don't think there's an instant fix. Yeah, of course I, not. I, I think the only thing I can say is the fact that they're on this call and they're hearing things that feel like that could be me, then they're actually moving out of denial. And that's the first step. I suppose what I would say is the first step is waking up to the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, waking up to the truth and, oh my God, this I realize that I I am not complete unless I'm coupled up. 
Like I'm, I, and, and just knowing that is the first step. And then the next step is to, you know, like you said, you can read a book that doesn't always do the, do the magic. I'd love for people to pick up my book and dive deeper into even my story to see if they can relate and all the exercises. But, you know, hiring somebody like yourself who does relationship coaching or maybe working with someone like me who dives more into the love addiction piece. Um, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, Neil. You definitely, <laughs> you definitely put me on the spot. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I feel like this will take form. This will take shape. So I'm not, I'm not worried. Yeah. I mean, one thing I could do with everybody right now, which might be a way to metaphorically move to the other side in the moment, is I can do some positive affirmations right now on the call. Great. So. And then, you know, we know that positive affirmations change the wiring within your brain. And if you keep doing it, it's going to keep changing the wiring in your brain of of how you see things from negative to positive. So I'm going to say some affirmations. Maybe, Neil, you can repeat after me and everybody listening. And that might that this might answer your question of what would that feel like if we were kind of in the middle of that transition from, you know, emptiness to wholeness. Does that what do you think? Let's do it. Okay, so repeat after me. I am a lovable and valuable person. I am a lovable and valuable person. I am deserving of a healthy partner. I am deserving of a healthy partner. Who is capable of loving, respecting, respecting and honoring me as a person. A healthy partner who is capable of loving, honoring, and respecting me as a person. Withdrawal will not last forever. Withdrawal will not last forever. My needs and wants are important. My needs and wants are important. All my experiences contribute to my growth. All my experiences contribute to my growth. I am learning to let go of dependencies on others. I'm learning to let go of dependencies on others and relying on myself for happiness and relying on myself for happiness. I walk away from toxic people. I walk away from toxic people. I create my own truth in love. I create my own truth in love. And that's that. And so maybe there is a little energetic shift that people might be experiencing right now. Again, I'm not about instant fixes, but this is a beginning point. This is a starting point. And that's, that's really all we have is a starting point. And then we, we transit, you know, we, we grow from there. Yeah, one thing that I really love about that exercise and and the practice of positive affirmation. Yes, there's the way that it reinforces a different neuro pathway within us and a different energetic pathway in terms of what we project into the world around us. Yes. On top of that, I feel like like I got to recognize, oh, these are the places where there's a little bit of dissonance within me. Like where when I say it, I can't say it with 100% conviction. And so if that's true that I'm not able I'm not able to say it with 100% conviction then to me that indicates a place where there's some work to be done. Like Yeah, I love that. that's so true because for the law of attraction to work or to attract what it is that you desire, you have to be congruent with what you're saying and believing and what you're actually doing on the outside. So yeah. it's 
that's exactly true. There is a dissonance. If, you, if you're feeling any kind of like, oh, that's not completely true, then there's a really good chance that how you're acting in the world, how you're be, you know, behaving in the world or being in the world is not a match to how you really feel. There need, you need to kind of work on that a little bit because the congruency is what allows you to attract you know, either the healthy relationship that you desire or the one that you're in. Right. Right. This reminds me a little bit of the like what might be a next step in this process. It's not the next step necessarily, but a a lot of times with my clients, there can be this moment where you realize like, oh, for instance, let's say um, this wasn't true for me in this moment, but it has been true in the past where, um, where I might say like, oh, I'm like, I'm worthy of being loved and I'm lovable. And I think I've even shared with, with my audience on, in a past episode, a time when that actually didn't really feel true for me. And so when that's not entirely true for you, the choices that you make are totally different than If you are to like, if you recognize like, oh, there was a little bit of a hitch when I said that statement out loud, or it could have been one of the other things that Sherry just offered you, then you can ask yourself like, well, if I did think that I was lovable and worthy of love, how would, how does that act? How would I act in the world from that perspective? Mm -hmm. You get to try on that, that lens yeah. Once you've identified like where the where it's missing, you can be like, well, if I were that, like, what would the world look like? And um, even more importantly is to uh, to make friends with that intuition that you know to be true. In other words, don't run away from what you know to be true, because that then you're stepping into that denial lens again is where, oh, I feel this and I know it's not right, but I don't care. I'm just going to like close my eyes. And my whole mission in life is to keep people awake to the to their truth. So not to be afraid of the truth. The truth doesn't mean you have to break up with your partner this minute. It doesn't mean that you have to spend the rest of your life soul searching. It doesn't mean that you have to go get a divorce. It doesn't mean that you have to get off that dating app. It just means you need to just become aware and to stay in truth. And as long as you do that, um, transformation is possible. Yeah, I take a really strong stand for the process that we go go through as individuals and the effect that that can have in our partnerships. Mm-hmm. So lest you think that if you're in a dysfunctional relationship, I mean, the whole point of this show isn't that it's perfect. The point is like, yeah. it, prob- it probably isn't perfect. And so, so you get to take steps that help you transform you and thus transform the whole dynamic. Yeah. And to, you know, not be afraid, not, you know, let go of that fear, just welcome up the the chance to transform. Welcome, you know, welcome up the, the exactly that life is messy. And as long as you stay awake and you're willing to grow, I mean, we're all growing, we're all changing. Um, we're all making better choices, hopefully, uh, learning from our mistakes. But, you know, it's not about beating ourselves up. It's about having the great compassion of humanity that we are, that we're just humans doing the best that we can. Um, That was one of the points of writing the book, The Marriage and Relationship Junkie, was that I really wanted to eradicate the stigma around someone like myself, who's been married multiple times, who's had multiple relationships, instead of walking around thinking I'm a failure or, or those that read my book think that they're a failure because they just couldn't get it right, is to just have an understanding of where that began 
and how can I change that, uh, the trajectory of my, of the future so that I maybe do things in a different way and make different choices. Cause you know, life is filled with choices. Um, and to own up to those choices, not to beat yourself up because of those choices, because there was a reason you made those choices. I mean, my choices were already sort of paved for me when I was born two and a half months early. I mean, there was nothing I was going to be able to do about that. I had separation anxiety. I had abandonment issues. And that was going to be th- those feelings were going to be were going to be based on the, the, the decisions that I made in relationships. Right. But and they were nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. So we're not victims. We're just people that um, come from different histories, different experiences. And there, there's a reason where we are. I mean, I did one podcast with a woman who's been married six times. She had no idea. She started hysterically crying on the call. She was the host because she goes, oh, my God, you have labeled what I've always known, but didn't know what to call it. You know, that's me, you know, and it's like, okay, that's me. Okay, great. So let's get curious about that. Doesn't mean we have to divorce our sixth husband. It just means Hmm, you know, am I in a healthy relationship? Did I make a good choice? And how, what can I do to uh, kind of heal all of that that um, brought me here today? Right. I mean, they say the sixth time is a charm for a reason, right? I think it's a third one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I mean, you know, my attitude is, you know, do it till you do it right. I mean, I don't think I ever, I mean, I won't say never. I'm not really interested at this point in my life getting married again, but I certainly um, am enjoying a healthy relationship. And, you know, I think that it's every anything's possible. You yeah. Know, anything's possible. Yeah. So one important thing that I'd like to chat about before we go, because I think one of the hesitations that people have around labeling and use that word a moment ago, labeling themselves as an addict is the stigma that comes with it. The sense of like, Oh, this is inescapable. If I admit that I'm an addict, then, you know, you, you hear the, you know, talk about a cliche, like once an addict, always an addict. And, um, and I'm curious for you, what's the truth in that versus the um the that there is a true path for healing and um you know because i like that sense that the truth will set you free if you're willing to look at your patterns then that gives you a whole lot of power to make different kinds of choices for yourself and to heal the dysfunctional ways that you're looking for connection and regulation in your life and create positive ways of doing that. Well, I, I think if you are a love addict per se, let's say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna address substance abuse because that might be a different top. That 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 goes a different way. That's that's a whole other topic. But um, if you feel that you might be a love addict, and you feel like you've had early trauma, I highly, highly recommend getting the support you need around that. Finding a really great somatic experiencing practitioner. Um, you know reading up on Peter Levine's work, uh, maybe even getting EMDR. That's another modality. I think that really healing that early trauma is is important because without that, I don't think you can make choices that are going to be in your best interest because you haven't healed what is already inside of you that needs to, to be discharged in order to bring positivity back into your life. I That work was the greatest work that I ever did in my life. Um, join a Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous meeting, do that work so that you, you know, can take, so you can bring healthy love into your life. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough because once I did that work, my whole life changed. Um, 
am I still a love addict, I guess is what you're asking. Yes, I have to always be mindful for the rest of my life about love addict codependent behaviors. If I start getting obsessive, if I start, you know, uh, just focusing on the person I'm with, start giving up my friendships, um, there's a problem, you know, I have to be continually vigilant of those things. And what I'm what I'm here to say is once you do that work of trauma and self-regulation, you're less apt to become codependent again or uh, making someone else your whole life because you don't need to do that anymore because everything that you you know and feel is within you. You feel whole already. So there's no need to be attached to just that one person. But I still have to be vigilant about it. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. And the, and the question, it's kind of a rhetorical question that comes up is like, well, why wouldn't you want to be vigilant about those things? Like that I would want to be, I would want to know, like, first thing, if I'm starting to sacrifice my friendships and, you know, disappear into my relationship and like, I would want to know that at any point in time, addict or not. You are an example, a raw and real actually have a boyfriend and he's going to be going away for a couple of weeks and that early piece of trauma kind of comes up and goes oh this feels a little bit scary like oh am I being abandoned and then I just kind of but because I've done the work I can sit with that and I can be you know be with it and notice it and feel it and discharge it instead of like become needy and obsessive and go into like fear and he's going to leave me, you know, all of those things that I would have done in the past. Instead, I can just be the curious observer of the feelings and the thoughts and I can let it go. And that's, that's a real example. Yeah. That, you know, that it's that I'm still that, that baby that was born, you know, two and a half months early, but I have tools and ways to, to deal with those feelings that might come up rather than act out on them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And I'm, I'm reminded too, that this, this sort of clicked into place for me actually, when you were describing that, which is that I think probably part of that, the dopamine rush that we were talking about earlier in that pleasure, it actually is creating the illusion of safety and um, you know, it's, I think it's been theorized. Maybe John Gottman was even talking about this, that if we didn't kind of feel that temporary love blindness at the beginning, we might never get into relationship anyway. Like we, you almost kind of need that to jumpstart you into connection. Um, but that being said, there are so much healthier ways of developing safety. Um, and you were just talking about that inner safety. And then there are also, of course, the healthy ways of developing safety in your relationship so that, when your partner goes away for two weeks, there's true safety there. There, So you you can counterbalance your inner safety with like, and we've created a container that actually I can rely on and I trust. Exactly. A container within and maybe a container in the relationship. But yeah. certainly that yeah. container within is vital or you're going to do behaviors that, um, you know, you're going to start doing all those obsessive behaviors that those needy behaviors that are not going to help the relationship. Right. Yeah. Crucial, crucial stuff. Well, Sherry Gaba, thank you so much for being here with us today. What a far ranging conversation we've had. And of course, I feel like we could talk longer, but I want to respect your time. Um, Your book, The Marriage and Relationship Junkie, is a great read full of very practical stuff for you. If you if you're thinking that 
this is something you identify with on some level and there there's a path towards recovery in in the book so i highly recommend that um sherry you mentioned your website sherry gaba g-a-b-a dot com and it's s-h-e-r-r-y i guess we should clarify that we'll have links to all of this in the transcript for the show which as a reminder you can get if you visit neilsatin.com slash gaba G-A-B-A, or text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Um, Sherry, I really appreciate your time today. Oh my God, I love, this is probably one of the best interviews I've had. You are, you truly know your subject and you've obviously done a lot of homework and work on yourself and your relationship. And um, I'm really grateful for your platform and for giving me this opportunity today. Thank you so, so much. You are so welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, Do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.